0: Hi, I'm Janella Massa. You're listening to Tobin Tonight.
1: Janella, thank you so much for coming on the episode. I know you said you were in your living room. I'm in my bedroom. So I feel like it's very easygoing, very comfy. We're not in like a bar or a pub where it's like, hey, it's like, Can you can you not? We're trying to listen to the music over here. Um, (laughs) First thing I want to really ask you is, like, how excited were you to get your program on CBC? Because I feel like I've gone through a little bit of your career, but I don't want to go too much into it because I tell people when they're on this, this is your time. But tell me, like, how exciting that is to get your platform basically on CBC.
0: It was unbelievable. I was like holding back tears on the phone when, they, when I got the call that I got the job. And it was just so exciting to be, you know, to move from a local news station to a national platform, you know, was really surreal. It still is. <laughs> Sometimes when I'm like, you know, scrolling through an article on CBC and suddenly there's like an ad with my face on it and my name, uh, yeah. it's still kind of weird. And, you know, I think even for my family, I remember when I got hired, we were still kind of uh, developing the show. So it didn't have a name yet. And we were talking about what the name was going to be. And I kind of floated, you know, we'd floated some ideas and I was talking to my mom on the phone. And I said, you know, we're trying to figure out a name. And there was some talk about calling it like Janela Massa Live or Janela Massa Tonight. And my mom was like, wait a second it's your show. <laughs> yeah. I said, yes, mom. Like I, I, I've been hired for like a month or I'm like, I explained this to you. She's like, it didn't really compute to her. Like it, she, it didn't make sense her. she didn't realize she just thought I'd been hired at the CBC and I was going to yeah. anchor a show or, you know, and I was maybe part of a team of a newscast. She didn't realize like it was just me. <laughs> so that yeah. was kind of a, a, a funny moment
1: she like comes back to you it's like okay i, I know i know you're happy you're hired but like listen they're not giving you your own show yet and then you're like no actually they are and then you're just sort of like yeah. she's like she's like hold on i I just gotta take a five minutes break yeah, yeah. totally I, I think it's funny because yeah i was going to mention to you like you know we had strombo had his own show for a while that was called the hour and then the, i think it was called uh george Stropopoulos tonight mm-hmm. uh, i actually got that out but that, that's the whole sentence <laughs> yeah. i was just like i wait. i was waiting for me to mess up on that but yeah it's interesting because i guess I kind of like the title just because we're, you have Canada tonight. And like, this is me. I I know we both have communication degrees. I have mine from Carlton, but (laughs) uh, this is me kind of going into a little bit dissecting into it. Cause if you just called it like your, your own show, like your, your name and that's it. I'd be like, okay. Like, what is it? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's still, (laughs) that's
0: how I felt. Yeah. I was opposed I was opposed yeah. to having it having it be named after me especially because I thought well people in Canada don't really know me I'm not a household name like what is this going to mean to them right yeah. and the show is not about me right I want it to be a window into Canada so yeah. I had I had other suggestions my I wanted it to be called what did I what was my suggestion I think it was Canada Connected but there used to be a show on CBC called Connect with Mark Kelly so that was kind of vetoed because they didn't want to repeat a, a, a yeah. similar title and so the suggestion I actually wasn't a huge fan of the, the title when it first was presented to me, Canada Tonight. I thought it sounded too much like a newscast, and we really wanted to do more in-depth conversations. But then one of the um, senior producers said, well, what I like about it is, you know, this is what we're talking about in Canada tonight, or this is what's happening in Canada tonight. And that kind of made me go, I like that. <laughs> and so I was sold. And that is what we use as our intro every night when we do our headlines, this is what we're talking about in Canada tonight.
1: I like that. But the way that I was looking at it is kind of more as inclusive is it's almost like, OK, we have so we're talking about Canada like tonight, again, tonight in Canada. But with you as a host, it's like, look at look at where we're going in Canada or look at like it's like the melting pot of like, hey, like for me, myself, I'm a person with disability. Now, it's a very invisible disability. But if someone like, for example, I hope the day comes where CBC, CTV or something, hire someone with a disability, I'm like, all right. And if it's called, you know, it's just say like Canada AM or whatever, you're like, oh, okay. Like now I can see someone like myself on TV and be like, okay, it's not just me on TV of like, this is me and my disability. Let's talk about it. It's like I'm included in this whole bigger world. Absolutely. Like, how did you get interested in journalism? Because, you know, we all idolize someone to get into a certain field. Like, me, I like comedy. I loved Conan. I loved like watching Colin Mockery on Whose Line podcasting to me was like almost a way of getting your humor, but doing interviews. Cause I liked interviews, but I had someone to look up to who was someone that like you looked up to and said, I want to be a broadcaster
0: <laughs> well i was that kid who was always chatting always talking always wanting to be the center of attention a little too much <laughs> that was like the number one comment on my report card was like janelle is a good student but she talks too much in class when she's not supposed to so i was always kind of that energetic you know kid and and i think my parents knew that like oh she's gonna do something in the spotlight she's gonna do something yeah. you know on tv mom would kind of encourage me like oh you should host a show and I thought I was going to do something more like lifestyle I did it was I wasn't necessarily interested in like news or politics I thought I was going to you know host a daytime show or a lifetime a a lifestyle kind of show and I I studied broadcast journalism and and I had my internship at uh, CTV Toronto and I kind of you know would see the inner workings of the newsroom and see you know these reporters rushing to get their deadline and realizing that like News is just storytelling, and everyone has a story if we just ask. And I thought that was really cool being able to be the vehicle to take something, a piece of information, and turn it into something interesting that people want to watch and hear. And so, yeah, so I mean, for a long time, I, you know, obviously because I didn't see anyone who looked like me working in TV news, there was a moment where I thought, you know, maybe I'll go into radio because then it doesn't matter what I look like, you know? But my mom, again, was the one who kind of encouraged me, like, don't change your dreams, don't change your goals. This is something that obviously you're really good at, you were made for, so go for it, right? And just because it hasn't been done before doesn't mean you can't be the first.
1: People always tell me I have a face for radio and I'm starting to believe them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's not they're like true. they're like that kid over there he has a face for radio and if you're young you're like oh my god that's the biggest compliment in the world then when you get older you're like hold on a second
0: <laughs> wait a why minute was that, yeah yeah what are
1: you actually saying but i i do like your point there because yeah it's when you look at the world now i mean there's so many platforms and for you hopefully this comes more of across as a com or a compliment but it's like now there are probably kids out there that are looking at you and saying well if she's doing it Why can't I? And that don't necessarily mean they want to do it in the TV. They could do radio or they could be saying, well, it's Canada. It's like she's doing something on TV. Why can't I be like the first dancer with like a hijab or whatever their goal is? Absolutely.
0: Um, And that is a big part of, you know, what keeps me motivated and what keeps me going. Because this is a hard industry to be in. It's not easy. But When I do get messages from people saying exactly that. I had a girl who dressed up as me for Halloween. (laughs) That was really crazy last year. And so, you know, seeing that people saying, you know, now I think about this as a possible career goal for me, or as you say, think about going into an industry where I have never seen someone who looks like me, but I shouldn't stop myself from doing it just because it's never been done before. So that is something that really keeps me motivated, especially on the hard days.
1: Now, I want to ask you like a little bit of a difficult question here as well. But like, you know, when you were starting in journalism, in broadcasting, and like you were doing your Rogers internships, your News 1010, were there people inside that? And again, we're not naming names here, but it's like, were there people inside that that were probably like, hey, like, you know, you could go farther if you just – remove the hijab or like, you know, if you presented yourself this way.
0: It's so interesting because I never really had anyone say that to my face and, you know, and in some ways I feel really lucky because then it made me feel like the only person standing in my way is me. Right. You know, The interesting thing about Canada is that we're very polite with our racism. (laughs) And so, you know, people don't didn't make overt comments to me or said, you'll never make it in this industry or uh, no one's going to hire you or whatever. But I do know that those conversations were had. I found out years later from one of my classmates that I had a professor who had approached a friend of mine and said, you know, Janelle is really good. But uh, I worry that she's you know, going to have a hard time in this industry wearing hijab. You know, would you talk to her and ask her would she ever consider removing it? And it's so interesting. She didn't feel like she could have that conversation with me because she knew she could get in trouble for that. Right. That's discrimination, essentially. Yeah. And same for a hiring manager. A hiring manager could never say that to me. But that doesn't mean that, that, that I wasn't passed over for a job because of it. And my friend at the time, you know, she was horrified that the teacher was asking her this and was like, no, like, I'm not going to ask her that. That's ridiculous. And didn't tell me about it until I had already like five years later when I was working in news as a broadcaster. And she said, hey, I just wanted to let you know, like, I actually had this conversation with our professor and I'm so glad that I didn't like tell you about it back yeah. then because I don't, wouldn't want anything to kind of get in your way or get in your head about what you could or couldn't do. And so that was really interesting to me. I'd had other, I'd had a producer when I was working as a producer, and I wasn't on air yet. I was working behind the scenes, who just kind of in passing made a comment. I was talking about a friend of mine who was Muslim and who was a reporter, and he said, "Oh, does she wear a hijab?" And I said, "No," and he said, "Oh, yeah, they'd never put a woman in hijab on TV. It's too distracting." And he said it so flippantly, not knowing that this was something that I was like trying to strive. Yeah. For but you know, that was a moment in my head where I was like, we'll see. And hopefully I'll prove him wrong. I feel really lucky that I didn't deal with a lot of overt kind of ra- discrimination. But you know, I often had to be the one to address the elephant in the room when I was, you know, going for a job interview and, and say, listen, I get that this is going to be different and new and maybe you have some apprehensions or some concerns or questions that you're afraid to ask. Like, let's talk about it. Let's hash it out. Let's get it out there. And I think that helped a little bit.
1: Yeah. Cause I feel like in a similar situation to yours, like I feel like when I go apply for jobs or internships, I'll put down I'm a person with a disability, but it's because they don't see the disability. It's like, so, you know, it's Sturge Weber syndrome. It causes like seizures, whatever, but like, because it's not obvious, it's like okay, what do we do with him? Like if we mm-hmm. put him in a hiring pool or if we hire him, what's or the there's an assumption
0: too about yeah. what your limitations might be, exactly. Right? Yeah, and and because there's fear about mm-hmm. talking about it, they may just say this is too much to deal with, so we're just going to go with someone else rather than saying. How can we mitigate this, or what are the things that we need to understand? And how can we make sure that this is an environment that you can thrive in, right? Because often it yeah. just requires a little bit <laughs> of conversation and and understanding. And but the problem is, people get scared to ask; they're afraid to offend. But I think that assumptions are more dangerous than than having they're, an. Yeah,
1: they're they're worse. It's almost like if you go into a place and it's like, oh, well, I don't want to ask him about that. It's like, well, he he mentioned it. It's like, yeah, it's just easier just to let him go. It's like, okay, but if you had to ask me and let me explain it, then you would have been like, oh my god, okay, we we didn't have to yeah. do that much. It's like, yeah, okay, so but I do think it's interesting because, like you were saying, is. We're not—they're not openly about it. It's a closed door. But I—I would think, because from someone who's—I—I haven't had anyone face to face tell me these. But like, if you know, someone had come to me later in later in life and be like, "You know, you didn't get this because they were afraid of this," I'd be like, "Yeah, I would think I would be a little bit rattled." And then I think, like the whole my whole landscape would be like, "All right, we'll change careers because clearly this isn't working." But. I, I appreciate the fact she tells you after the fact. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Is, that, I yeah. mean, I
0: think that it helped that I was in a secure place where it's like, obviously she was wrong. And so it made it easier to brush it off. But you're right. If it had been something that had been brought to me when I was still very early in my career, who knows that how yeah. much that could have affected me and impacted me from even trying to pursue this.
1: Yeah, I can imagine like one day like you're at Seneca or something doing like a hit and then next minute someone's like, uh, what happened to the hijab? You're like, uh, it just decided not to wear today. It's like, <laughs> did someone say something to you? No, I was just going for a new look. It's like, yeah, no, someone definitely said something.
0: And you know what the reality is, especially as a woman in TV, like forget Muslim, but like as a woman in TV, there is so much conversation about your appearance, how you look, your hair, your makeup, your nails. And like people think that that is a part of the conversation uh, that goes along with your skills. And that's also really frustrating. You know, for for the men who work in the the industry, it's not something they have to worry about. But for women, we have to also think about, you know, our appearance and how we present ourselves because that's another you know, part of the puzzle when they're deciding who gets the job and who doesn't, that they're evaluating. So yeah, it's, it's kind of frustrating too.
1: I think it's funny. Cause we had actually Jennifer Hedger on like almost a year. Like I think it was like last uh, January. And she was saying like, you know, at TSN there's a lot more females than males, but she said, it's interesting. She likes working with males because like, if you have a disagreement or something on set, it's like, okay, well, we had that disagreement. We go live, we do the show it's over. And then she was like with females, it's almost like, the little bit of a cattiness to it, of almost like, okay, well, you know, we There's still didn't solve. Yeah, it's like we <laughs> didn't. We we still didn't solve the issue here. Where males like, all right, like geez, okay. We said that like five minutes ago, you're still holding that against us. Okay, whatever. But I just—I haven't had that
0: experience. I'm yeah. really lucky that I yeah. worked with <laughs> a lot of, you know, really great women who are, uh, you know, we support each other. And I think that that's the, the important thing, right? Is a lot of times society pits women against each other, right? And makes you feel like you have to be in competition. There's only room for one of you, right? And yeah. so I think that the more we try to get away from that and, and try to encourage and lift each other up as women, I think that's really important because they're going to try to do it to us. So we shouldn't do it to ourselves.
1: I never actually thought of it that way, but like now that you mentioned it, I'm sure there's a few times when you go on like Instagram or something, it's like, who's the better female host. And you're like, well, they're both on different platforms. Why does this matter? We all
0: all have something (laughs) different to offer.
1: In doing your new show, what are some things that you really like about it or things that you're thinking like, all right, like if it's from an outside point of view, let's put it this way. If you were trying to compel me to watch the show And you're basically saying, I've seen the promos, but I'm like, okay, I'm not sold. What are some things that you could sell me on the show to make me watch it?
0: For me, I really love hearing from from the people at the heart of the story. So the people who are directly impacted. So I, for me, I try to focus less on you know the experts and the the political pundits and the analysts. I want to hear from real people who are experiencing something about how something is impacting them and hearing their stories. So that's something that we really try to do a lot of. We also try as much as we can to do stories that maybe aren't making the headlines or maybe aren't at the top of the news agenda. You know that was something that we tried to do especially around the election you know what are the topics that aren't being talked about in the debate what are the topics that none of the leaders are mentioning but you know there as we you know we talked about people with disabilities and you know what they are looking for in this election and we haven't heard any of the political leaders talk about that even this year with what's happening with the residential schools. And we thought there would be so much more conversation about indigenous issues. And it wasn't really. And so, you know, giving an opportunity for folks to have that platform, even when it's not at the top of the news cycle or not in, in the agenda, how do we kind of think about what's being missed? What aren't we hearing? Who aren't we hearing from and trying to bring those voices
1: to the table? Is it, is it kind of like safe to say, not like trying to label it, but is it kind of safe to say it's kind of like, a voice for maybe the voiceless or a voice for a little bit of like diversity and disability in a sense, because I know yeah, a few, i a t- Yeah, I mean, we
0: do try to bring in marginalized voices. And, you know, there's a say, there's a, a saying from an author who says there's no such thing as the voiceless, only the deliberately silenced. Right. And, and that's the idea that we we have an opportunity. We have a platform to hear from these people. We can go to these communities. We can reach out to them. We just choose not to. Right. So how do we use these platforms? And we talk about it being Canada tonight. That's all of Canada. Them, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Often
0: not all of Canada gets heard from. And that includes even, you know, a uh, uh, geographical diversity, uh, you know, doing stories in different places, often because newsrooms are set in big cities, you know, Toronto, Vancouver, um, that tends to be, those tends to be the stories that we focus on, because that's what the people who are making decisions about it are interested in are impacted on. So how do we tap into the other communities that don't have as much access to the newsroom and, and make sure we're talking about issues that are impacting them because they are Canadians as well?
1: Yeah, I, I want to ask this, and this is going to probably be the equivalent of when someone says, when I say I'm a Newfoundlander, and they're like, oh, do you know Joe from Newfoundland? So, <laughs> you know, at least I made the joke here. But like, you know, I, I've interviewed Hannah Ryan Singh. And now he obviously has like the turban, a part of his kind of, comfort zone i guess and part of his background uh but i thought it was really interesting when his response was when we asked him like there are people i guess out west in calgary that will come up to him and be like you know you're an inspiration because i see you do calgary flames games and they believe that now they can make you know the same platform as him it's kind of maybe a two-parter like have you ever had these kind of conversations with hana ryan saying have you ever met him and if, if I've never oh, met him, oh, really, OK, well, then, yeah, I've
0: never met him, um, never talked to him. But it's really cool to see other people who also have never had an opportunity to have a platform like this. And I want to see more of it, whether it's, you know, Muslims, as you say, people with disabilities. There's so many different demographics that aren't represented in mainstream media that are left out. And And I want to see more of that. You know, it's really great and exciting to be the first, but I don't want to be the only and I don't want to be the last. And, you know, I have uh, there are at least two other women in hijab who work in news in different news stations in Canada, which is really exciting for me also because, you know, I can't be everything for everyone. In the sense that, you know, <laughs> I'm, you know, yes, I'm Muslim, but, you know, I also have a very different experience than lots of Muslims in Canada We have, you know, Muslims have so many different languages and socioeconomic backgrounds and, you um, know, interests in different things. So for me, you know, I can't represent the one million yes. Muslims across Canada, just like you can't represent every person with disability. Your experiences are also different. So we need to see a broad range of them, uh, of people from, from these different backgrounds, uh, represented because we're all going to bring different
1: perspectives. You know, that's fair. I, I just, let me make a note says I can't represent everyone no I'm okay like imagine if someone was just like you didn't know that already I'm like no I, I just kind of <laughs> well, clued in no <laughs> oh, this
0: idea that like okay let me get the the disability perspective I'm gonna ask Tobin oh absolutely so, yeah, Well, I no, asked no. Tobin and Tobin told me this right yeah yeah and so because
1: I would know it all. Like, and like right exactly right, right. and yeah.
0: so this idea that like you are the representative or you are the spokesperson for yeah. this one group that you happen to you know relate to but you know and then they feel like oh they checked the box well I asked Tobin and told, oh, yeah. me, told Tobin told me this so that must that's it I'm yeah. done right we
1: have we have a meeting once a year to figure out who our new leader is and this, this year, <laughs> exactly this, this year it was me next year I like hold on hold on but I represented Sturge Weber and they'll be like yeah but you didn't represent Dave over there in a wheelchair so we got this is Dave's time I'd be like oh my god but yeah no that's fair I know you mentioned earlier that there was a teacher that kind of said okay like I'm worried about this but like were you comfortable all the time wearing it like right from day one or was it something that you kind of adapted into
0: yeah i've worn hijab most of my life i started wearing hijab in elementary school and and actually you know when i started wearing i was probably too young to be wearing it but my mom and my sister were and i wanted to be like them and my mom was like she didn't want me to wear it she and i was very stubborn so she's like all right you know do you and she let me be so you know growing up in toronto it's a very multicultural and diverse city and and so i didn't really feel like an outsider or another because it wasn't uncommon to see not just muslims but people from lots of different backgrounds and lots of different places and that was usual i will say you know after 9 11 i was in high school when 9 11 happened and my mom was really scared for me and my sister and she actually asked us you know do you want to remove it and we were both like no like we you know we won't be you know kind of Fearful. We shouldn't live in fear, right? We should be able to be who we are. We haven't done anything wrong and we shouldn't be afraid and, and we should be proud of who we are. And, you know, we saw it as more like a moment of education, as we talked about earlier, right? Ignorance and assumption. And I was always happy when people would ask me questions because it gave me an opportunity to actually inform them other than just let them kind of go on in their in their ignorance. So, for me, yeah, I, I, you know, I've always kind of felt pretty comfortable in my in my skin, in my hijab. What was challenging for me was when I first went into a newsroom and coming from a very diverse and multicultural city like Toronto, I was shocked when I went into my first newsroom in Toronto, in the biggest local newsroom in the country. And it was not diverse. It did not look like Toronto. That was when I first felt like an outsider. I did feel very different. I stuck out because there wasn't a lot of people of color in the newsroom, let alone, you know, a woman in hijab. And so right. that was a, a challenge. But again, kind of for me, it was an opportunity to engage in conversations with people, uh, you know, about me and who I am. And at the end of the day, they would realize like, oh, she's not very different. Like she's still yeah. very Canadian. And yeah. to me, I don't see those identities at odds with each other.
1: I feel like very similar to what you said there. when Because I remember when I did my internship with like it was global toronto and i'm coming from newfoundland and like i think it's almost kind of count not not to go against what you said but it's like i went up there and i'm like okay so i see like um there was like people with mexican heritage there was people with like italian and like they're representing and then they'd be like pitching stories of like why don't we do this in the italian community i'm like and i'd be like looking there like beady eyes like all right like how are you gonna how are you gonna tell him no like tell me how (laughs) you're gonna tell him no like and then They'd be like, oh, we we can we can discuss that, and I'm like, oh, okay, okay. And then it'd be like the Newfoundlander pitches an idea. It's like, I don't know nothing about Toronto. It's like, can I do a Leaf story? And they're, like, <laughs> they're like, they're like, can you say that again, but less fast? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, can I do a Leaf story? And they're like, okay, easy. Don't get tone with us. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not gonna work here. <laughs> it's like, it's like, either like, I'm too fast or too. Like or you're you're saying I don't like communicate. Even just enough. your
0: accent was something that was foreign and difficult for them to understand. Yeah.
1: You can you I mean, I don't like for me, I think the first year at Carlton, I would always ask people, what are you at? And they'd be like, come again. And I'd be like, Oh, they probably didn't hear me. What are you at? And then they'd be like, What do you mean? What does
0: that mean? Yeah,
1: I'm like, Oh, it just means what's up. And they're like, Why don't you say that? I'm like, it wouldn't <laughs> click in because I was kind of like stubborn with you with the hijab. I was kind of like, No, I I know what I'm saying. Say, yeah. And then they're like it would take a five minute conversation to get like two words out. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to ask you, hey, what's up? And they're like, hey, you're from Newfoundland. I don't know the accent. I'm like, I can't win. <laughs> I want to ask a little bit of the fun aspect here. But like with the musical side of things, like I, I'm a big fan of music. Uh, I, I feel like if someone's like, oh, I'm not a fan of music, you'd be like, okay. Uh, but like who are some people that you probably have on your like playlist right now that either before you do a news story or like, you know, while you're having a bad day, you just turn them on. You're like, this gets me through it
0: i'm i'm stuck in the 2000s um that's fair same here uh, (laughs) my husband makes fun of me because he says i don't listen to any new music like he's always on the like what's new or what's trending on spotify and it like gives him suggestions I'm like i don't like listening to anything new i like what i know all the words to and (laughs) and so you know i was really into like r&b hip-hop you know in the 2000s you know obviously you know was in middle school into all the boy bands and all that kind of stuff. But <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of what, what's uh, what's on my shuffle playlist. <laughs> that, a lot that's- of Beyonce, a lot of, you know, that era.
1: That's fair. I mean, I have a niece that sleeps over at times and she likes listening to iHeart2000s and then will (laughs) accuse me of like, why are you not letting them sing? I'm like, because I grew up with this. Um, The worst though
0: is that when, you know, you start to see those anniversaries is like this song is 20 years old or like um, (laughs) it's considered like uh, old school music. And I'm like, excuse me.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a guy like, I'm not big on TikTok, but there's a guy on TikTok that like broke it down the other day where it's like, Your TV shows are now throwbacks, and then it's like your thing. And I'm just like, so hold on. You're telling me Fresh Prince Prince of Bel Air, -Air. and I'm like, no, I'm not accepting that. And then when they had the whole Friends reunion, I sat there watching it, and then I was like, no, this is ancient
0: history. Yeah, don't.
1: Yeah, (laughs) they even said like, I remember this was years ago, but it's like they even said like, kids born September 2001 are now teenagers, and plus, kids now that's like are that age or post they have not experienced 9-11 and they're learning about it in the history books i'm like i'm a little bit concerned of how the history book portrays that but sure but it's, it's just, crazy to think the yeah. things that we've
0: gone through in our lifetime are considered history now
1: you No, know, no that's fair uh for the last question because i know we're around the 28 minute mark here and i want to make sure that you get out get your news story done because i don't want you to come on like canada like about listen the headlines totally. yeah 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 it's like <laughs> listen i was on Toba tonight i didn't get through everything and then it's like local newfoundlander gets in trouble it's like <laughs> the last thing i want to ask is like you know for people out there that whether they have a disability whether they're just trying to make it in the media whether they're someone like yourself what's some kind of insight or maybe inspirational i don't know uh, quote that you can give them to be like hey keep going or maybe you could just be like, hey, I'm the only one here. Don't come near me.
0: <laughs> no, no, not at all. There's room for all of us. I definitely fight a lot of imposter syndrome. I definitely have those moments where I feel like, oh, my God, you know, how did I even get here? You know, they're going to find me out. They're going to realize that I, you know, I am not as smart as I, you know, appear to be or I'm not as good as they thought I was. And honestly, I fake it a lot. <laughs> I fake confidence a lot. And that helps me get through it. And so my motto is all has been for a long time is fake it till you make it, in the sense that like you have to show people that you think you deserve to be here and that you know, will give them the confidence to see that you deserve to be here. I think if you don't believe in yourself, no one else will. And so, for me, at least, if I don't believe in myself, I at least pretend that I do, <laughs> and, and I fake it a lot. So, so yeah, that and and a lot of persistence. Don't take no for an answer. I mean, Tobin, that's how you got this interview, right? Yeah, so uh, you know that well.
1: Yeah, it's it's fair. Backstory is I used to, I I went to Janelle's house, knocked on the door, and she's like, "Please leave me alone." <laughs> and I'm just like, "One interview, one interview, please." And she's how like, "One you interview know where and I live. leave." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's gonna do it for this episode of tobin tonight our thanks to janella Massa for coming on to the show remember you can get past episodes on tobintonight.com spotify and itunes follow us on twitter like us on facebook and leave a comment or two for tobin and myself this is jacob saying thank you for listening and good then